You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned afterward for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome today. Come on, 11 o'clock. Good to see you. Good to be with you today. Thank you for uh, our worship team, for their leadership today. Welcome, everybody, online. My name is Morgan. Hey, just a quick reminder that our marriage event is coming up this coming weekend. Yeah, it's Friday and Saturday, and I'm excited about it. First service was excited about it. Not sure. (laughs) But there are just a few spots left for you if you haven't registered. It's going to be so fun. Carrie and I love to teach and talk about marriage and just on cue. Okay, you're just going to help co-help me make this announcement. So... No, I was one. Make it anyway. All right, our, our theme is this year's. You can see is this is your sign. We'll be talking about some red light stuff. You got to stop doing some yellow lights. How we yield some green lights. Things we have to do. So uh, we're having a throwback prom theme on Friday night. Oh yes, we're literally rolling out the red carpet in limo for you. Dinner from Buca de Beppo. Some blind karaoke happening in time for you to connect with your friends and your spouse. So we want to see you there. Listen, this will do way more for you than staying home and watching TV again. It will. The show can wait. Your kids can wait. Your marriage can Football can wait, she says. And your, and your marriage can your marriage can wait. All right, threw me off. Here we go. All right, bring it back. I work alone. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Um, here we go. Our scripture reading is from Acts 9 and 10. It's going to be on the screen. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. That's the reading of God's word today. His holy people at the 11 a.m. service said, amen. Amen. All right, now imagine this. Imagine two weeks from now, 
when you are right back here in this same place on March 3rd, 2024. Imagine that you're, you're standing in worship. Uh, we've been singing and then we all begin to receive communion together as we usually typically do on that first Sunday of the month. And for those of you who are new, communion, you should know, is the bread and the cup which represent the body and the blood of Jesus who gave his life for us on the cross. I mean, this is what Christians believe, and this is always a big deal. It's a great moment. Now, here at Mosaic, when we do receive communion, it's also our custom, you may know, to also recite something called what? Come on. The Apostles' Creed. Yes, I mean, you've been here. And for those of you who are new here, the Apostles' Creed is kind of like the original 13 herbs and spices statement of faith for Christians. We've recited this for centuries. It contains what we consider to be the essentials of faith. And it's short, it's lean, and it's mean on purpose so that we can all recite it and agree on what's most essential. And it's got some great stuff in there. Some famous stuff, probably stuff you know and heard of, have read. Statements like this. I believe in God the Father. That's amazing. Maker of heaven and earth. Also pretty good. And it goes from there all the way to the end. And by the end, we're like flying through doctrine. We finish by saying, and I believe in the life everlasting. And then you likely know the all, uh, you likely all know the last word we say together, which is what? I mean, we sang it. Yeah, I'm in. Not a trick. Okay. But imagine, imagine next time we all said that. Again, March 3rd, 2024, when you're right back in this place. Before we said amen, imagine that I snuck in a line or two on the screen. Imagine if it now ended with, and I believe that every Christian must watch the chosen. <laughs> This week, or I believe every Christian must go through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru once a month. So help me God. Or I believe I should park all the way in the back and give my spot to a guest today. (laughs) These are all good things to say or even to eat, but are they essential things to believe? The answer is no. And you might be, you probably should be offended if you saw any of those or anything else in there. Why? It's because of this. It's because you don't mess with the creed, man. You don't mess with the creed. That should probably be my next tweet. Don't mess with the creed, man. All right. Now, no, we don't tweet anymore thanks to Elon Musk. We just post on X, a social media platform, formerly known as Twitter. Okay. But what if I did that? What if I, what if I messed with the creed, man? What would you think? I mean, what would I be saying about myself and who I thought I was if I added to what was essential. Hmm? Now, did you know, once upon a time, Jesus Christ messed with the creed, man. He messed with the creed. Theologian Scott McKnight wrote a book about it called The Jesus Creed, and he points this moment out. As in, in the Gospels, you know this, one day people asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Hmm? What is absolutely essential? Like, what's the creed? Jesus, rabbi, he said this, love hmm, the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, your mind, and your strength. He said, this is the first and greatest commandment. And at this point, this crowd of religious teachers, I mean, they, they had their own creed. They had a, a kind of a Jewish creed. It was called the, the Shema, which had been recited by Jewish people for centuries. And they said, you got it, dude. When you said that, we tasted all 13 herbs and spices right there. We, we know the creed. Now, we know 
that you know the creed. But then before, before the crowd could say, amen, Jesus, Jesus messed with the creed, man. He kept on talking and he said this. He said, and a second is like it. Oh, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He said, on these two commandments, all the Bible hangs. They were stunned. Why? Jesus took a good thing and he made it an essential thing. How could he do this? How could he mess with the creed, man? Well, he could mess with the creed because he was the man, right? He was saying it's not just enough to just love God. Hmm? That is essential, but it's not the only essential. What's also essential is that you love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, everything hangs. Church hangs. Your faith hangs. The Christian faith hangs. Not on one or the other, but both. And because Jesus messed with the greed man, now the task for all of us, for his followers, is to figure out how to do that. To figure out how to hang our faith when we go to the closet. Not on one hanger, but two. On both. How do we do this? I think... I think we can begin to do this, to live what I'm calling the generous Jesus creed. Generous Jesus creed. We can begin to do this by asking, answering a few questions. So let's do that right now, shall we? Let's now ask three questions about the fact and in light of the truth that Jesus created a new kind of creed and then used our text to answer them. So we're going to ask three questions and use Acts 9 and 10 to answer All right, here we go. Number one, in light of what Jesus did, what does it now look like to live like a Christian? Hmm? What does it look like to live like a Christian? That's what Acts 9 and 10 are trying to show us. The book of Acts shows us how first Christians, the first Christians, picked up both those hangers. And this passage is answering, therefore, not what does it mean to be an apostle, Now, what does it mean to be an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher or a missionary or an intercessor or anything else? This text just answers the question, what does it mean just to be a Christian, just to follow Jesus? What does it look like? And to answer that, we are shown back to back so we can't miss, won't miss the stories of two normal people living their normal lives through whom God did amazing things. Who were they? And what do they do? Well, we read about them. Their names were Dorcas, she's also called Tabitha, and Cornelius. Dorcas, on one hand, was a woman, possibly a widow, likely a Jew, and lived in a city called Joppa. Cornelius, on the other hand, was a man. He was a Roman soldier, a centurion, possibly had worked for Pontius Pilate himself, also back in the creed. And he lived in a city named Caesarea. And as far as we know, they never met. Hmm? But they had nothing in common except for one thing. And for that one thing, their stories are told back to back. They were known for their generosity. Known for their generosity. With Dorcas, we don't even know what her Pinterest board was like. I mean, like, how do you even know a person? You know, we don't know what her Spotify wrapped was. You know, but we do know, y'all don't, okay, don't get that. Okay, Spotify wrapped, that's for the third service. Okay, ask the folks under 30. Yes, okay. She, though, here's what we do know about her. She was full of good works and acts of charity. 
And we, know, we don't even know what Cornelius bench pressed. We don't know what his sandal size and J's were. But we do know something better. Verse 2. He was devout. He feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people. And he prayed continually to God. It was their generosity they had in common. And what happened to each? Well, to each, we read it, happened a miracle. Dorcas died. And because she was so beloved by her community, her friends wouldn't let her stay that way. And so, you know, all her, all her galantines got around and demanded Peter raise her from the dead and pray for her personally. He does this. That's what happened. Cornelius was a God-fear. That's a person who's converted out of paganism into monotheism. And he gave so generously, God chose him to become the very first convert to the Christian faith from non-Jewish people, from the Gentiles. And through his generosity, you can read it, his whole family, all his friends and a whole bunch more Gentiles became Christ's followers. And then an angel showed up and said to Cornelius, your life's about to change. And now notice, by the way, first of all, he knows him by name. Jesus knows your name, that tells you this. But the angel says, look what God has noticed. He said, your prayers and your arms, not your arms, that's every dude's dream, right? Sorry, like your arms will come up before God. Like your arms have ascended as a memorial before God. I mean, man, amazing. God says, your giving, I will remember forever. Wow. So what does it look like to live like a Christian? Is it singing songs and hearing sermons? Hmm? Or is it giving and serving? Is it believing or behaving? Jesus said, Cornelius and Dorcas show us to be a Christian. It means both. It means both. Back when I was a campus missionary at the University of Texas, just down the road, one day I met a Muslim student on campus, tried to share my faith with him. His name of all things was Muhammad. Nice dude, handsome guy, fun to talk to. But he challenged me one day when we were talking about faith, the Christian faith, and he said this. Finally, he said, he said, you know what? I've read your Bible. I know your stories. And he listed off a few things about the New Testament that let me know that he knew. And then he said, have you, have you ever read the Koran? You ever read the Koran? I said, I haven't. And I sensed the walls closing in on our conversation. <laughs> he said, well, that's, you know, that's, that's something. Here I am, a Muslim, and I've read your scriptures. Do me a favor and don't talk to me about your faith and especially don't talk to me about mine until you've done me the service of reading my scriptures. I said, okay. <laughs> and that was, that was that that day. That was a conversation. But that weekend I did it. Uh, I believe Carrie was with me. We went to a bookstore down on South Congress. This was the time before Amazon Prime or as we like to call it, the dark ages, you know. <laughs> and I bought a copy of the Quran and I, and I read it front to back. And I did the same thing with the, the Buddhist scriptures, one school of them. And then with the, the Gita, the central Hindu scriptures. Why? As a Christian, I did not do this because I consider all sacred texts equal. I don't. For Christians, especially what we call the Bible, the Old and New Testaments, they are together God's final word to us. They are authoritative. And I am not necessarily even recommending you did what I did and read those. It was literally my job to daily interact with people of other faiths. I, to tell you the truth, I'd actually be far happier as your pastor if you told me you were reading the Bible every day. So let's, let's begin there and do that, okay? That would, help. that would help you. No, I did this because something 
inside what Muhammad said to me was right. It was right and fair and just. And because he showed me a pathway to love him, I just did, did my best. And, and I did that. So I did my best. The point is to pick up both hangers, right? Believing and behaving. And I hung my relationship with him on them. And I'm glad I did. It changed the tenor of our relationship. What, is it, what does it look like to live like a Christian? It means we pick up the generous Jesus creed, believe and behave. Number two, why, why does it matter? Okay, you're belaboring this morning. Why does it matter? Well, living this like Dorcas and Cornelius, it matters for three super simple reasons we're gonna see right from the passage. First, this matters because our relationships matter. Our relationships matter. Man, we could get an amen right there. Some of y'all really need to believe this. <laughs> we really, we, this matter. Look at this. Did you notice, for example, how Dorcas's friends responded when she died? I was actually a little convicted. I was like, man, would anyone respond to my passing that way? I mean, like, demand he come back, you know? <laughs> Instead of like, man, praise the Lord. He's with Jesus. He's, he's with you in glory. It's just it's a far better place, you know? This is all the widows stood beside Peter weeping, showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. Now it's interesting, follow me here. Interesting, when you read the Bible, of course, you do read accounts of people being discouraged, hmm? depressed, even a little suicidal, but you don't read about people feeling lonely in that world. Only one person, all the Bible is described as feeling lonely. That's King David in Psalm 25, at one point in his life. But today, we know this. It's radically different. Today, there's something sociologists call the loneliness epidemic, where it's reported one-third of millennials report feeling lonely. Look at this word, most of the time. Most of the time. This is crazy. I mean, there are billions more people alive today. I mean, cities are far larger on average, but we are lonelier than ever as our use of technology increases and our time spent investing in relationships decreases. But even as a single woman in a patriarchal society, Dorcas wasn't lonely. She might have been exhausted, pretty tired from all the sewing, you know, but she wasn't lonely. She invested in people because she knew relationships matter. Second, our generosity matters because cities matter. Cities matter. This will be quick. Look at what happens after the miracle. It says it became known throughout all Joppa and many believe in the Lord. The point is the city was changed. Yeah, they heard, they saw the miracle, but it was her generosity that set the table for the city to be impacted by Jesus. Third, <clears throat> relationships matter, cities matter, but third, Maybe even most of all, churches matter. Here's a not so good and fairly troubling statistic. And this is probably something you've seen and definitely something I've seen, something that perhaps I hope troubles you. It definitely troubles me. And that statistic is this. Uh, it says beginning in 2019, Christianity Today reports, beginning in 2019, the rate of church closures outpaced the number of churches started in the U.S., now, of course, lots of churches close every year, but overall, the number being open has managed to keep up with and even exceed the number closing until 2019, where that number for the first time fell off a cliff and has continued to plummet even up through last year when approximately speaking, roughly 5,000 churches closed in the U.S. 
only 3,000 open. That's roughly 14 that close every single day. Hundreds a month. One church consultant and researcher I respect said, on top of all those, there have never been as many as close to death as they are right now. This is not good, right? Of course, yeah. Why does this happen? Well, many reasons, lots of reasons, but one consistent one he noted is this. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes churches come to minor in the majors and major in the minors. They minor in the majors and major in the minors. They argue about paint and carpet and signs and chairs and songs and forget about mission and the next generation and the state of the city around them. In other words, they've forgotten, perhaps, what they exist for. And this is so easy to have happen. I know this as a pastor because the pull of the church is always toward itself. Why? Because it's filled with people and the pull of you is always towards you. Same with me. Same with me. People are always in need. They've got sick loved ones or they're getting married or having kids or having a tough time or have lost a job or working through a painful divorce. And we are here to do our best to care for every life, every person, every situation for real. Life is so hard, but because life is hard and the pull of people is toward themselves, the pull of the church can just be toward itself. And if we're not careful, and if that happens, we could become a statistic too. And I know I don't want that, and I don't think you want that, which is why we're talking about what we're talking about this month and today especially. So how? How can we remember that we can't forget to live the generous Jesus creed? I know every single week here, there's a single mom coming here. She's got multiple kids. And she's, of course, hoping she hears something and she's experiences something. But more than that, she's hoping her kids experience something. And they ask her, Mom, can we come back? I know every week there's a single person coming here, male or female, maybe with a friend, maybe all alone. And the people in their school, the people at their job have told them that God isn't real or that Christians are just kind of like that. And they're coming here looking, hoping for something different. And I know that every week there's a husband or a wife here or both whose marriage is in a tough spot. And they spend their time here praying that something will happen, that God will break through, a heart will change and all of these people and more. So many just like you come here and they're trusting that someone they talk to, something they hear, somewhere they get invited can help turn their situation and life around. What are they looking for? I think they're looking for a lot of you, us, this church, people like Dorcas and Cornelius, whose giving made literally an eternal difference. How can we be like them? Last question, number three. How can we do how can we do what matters most? How can we do what matters most? Now, let me teach for a minute and then I'll apply it. I love this. I love this so much. You know, I don't know if you noticed during the reading, but one of the things that leaps off the page in the account of Dorcas is just how similar the raising of Dorcas is at the hands of Peter to a miracle that Jesus does in the Gospels. You may remember the story of Jesus who also raised a female from a dead. This was a little girl. And like Dorcas, she also lived and died in a house. And someone came and interrupted Jesus and asked him to come to the house. Like someone came and interrupted Peter and asked him to come to the house. And when Jesus got to the house where the little girl had died, everyone was wailing and crying. Do you remember what he did? He put everybody out of the room, except for James, John, and 
Peter. Yeah, when Peter arrives at this house, all the widows are wailing and crying. And what does he do? He puts everyone out of the house. And when Jesus raised that young little girl, do you remember what he said? He says to her in Aramaic, not Hebrew, he says this, Talitha, kum, little girl, arise. Little girl, arise. And when Peter raises Dorcas, he says something with one little letter change. He says, Tabitha, kum, Tabitha, kum, woman, arise. Two different miracles, one same pattern. Peter does quite literally what he saw Jesus do. So what about raising a city from the dead? Hmm? What about raising churches from the dead? What about raising a family, maybe yours from the dead? How do we do that? Well, like Peter, we look to, we remember who Jesus is and was and did. Jesus, come on, perfectly loved the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he perfectly loved his neighbor as himself. Only we killed him for it. And he went in our place. He got the death we deserve so that we can receive the life he deserves. He gave himself to raise us up. And God, we know this there, so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. And Jesus in turn gave us himself. See, he didn't just teach the creed. He lived the creed. And as we look to him, remember him, he gives us the power to do the same. Let's apply that pattern in one way today. How do we do this as a church? Okay, like Peter, like Jesus, how do we do this? We say yes to the interruption. We say yes to the interruption. Now, I thought about this, and I thought about so many of you who have already said yes to the interruption here, who for the the sake of the generous Jesus Creed, you've said yes to being interrupted, and you've helped build a strong church here in Mosaic. There are so many, there are literally hundreds of you here. I mean, I can't possibly name you all. I was talking about this with our staff, and I asked Pastor Brett, I was like, how many people are involved in a Mosaic community of some sort? And he looked it up. I mean, it was like 80% plus People, that is unheard of of churches. And that's typically the reverse. It's the reverse of the 80-20 rule right here. God is so good to us through you. And I'm going to name a few of you right now. This is where I get to as a pastor brag on some folks. Dangerous. I can't name everybody. Literally hundreds. Okay. Let me name Jay and Sherry Lynch. Yeah, they've served Mosaic Street community for years. They're up here almost every day of the week like a Dorcas, like a Cornelius, serving somebody who's got nothing. We've got our own Tabitha, as in Tabitha and Carrie Alexander. They faithfully lead our connections team, along with Stacy and Robbie Morgan. They're amazing people. And the Morgans have, yes, the world's greatest last name. Thank you very much. <laughs> Raul Reyes with our music team. He's like the, the humble music legend. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's so he lies to me. tells me he thinks I can play guitar, too. He's a walking guitar hero. Serves our church tirelessly. The coffee bar, Joshua Heff, done this for years. Leads a men's group. M kids, hundreds of great people. Especially, I've heard Patricia Flinnegan, Holly Linders in that second grade classroom. And M kids, Sarah, folks like Sarah Luna, Allie Heyer, some of the first people back after COVID. They're there every single week. And yeah, Allie's a mom, too. Yeah. You don't know Donald Moore, but you should. He and his wife, Karen, greet and serve as ushers. And two weeks ago, I saw Donald taking out the trash right over there. I went up to give him a hug and tell him, thank you. And you know what he, I said, we can't do this without you. You know what he said to me? Basically told me to get lost. <laughs> he said, you can go on. Pastor, you got other people to talk to. I'm like, 
Man, what a guy. Mosaic Communities, Matt and Julie Corey, they've done so much with foster and adopt uh, folks. Christian Washington, Jenny Bowden have hosted a community group from 2019. So many singles have joined that. So many of them have come to faith, gotten baptized. Some of them have even met and gotten married there. Just saying, okay. <laughs> Doug White, deacon here, has served approximately, I added this up, 14 billion, <laughs> 392 million hours serving a leadership 215 cohorts. Joshua Bobo, Jason Varner, two superstar young men changing lives in student ministry. Nikita Clay does so much for students with a smile on her face even when she doesn't have a reason to. Chris Bautista, y'all don't know him because he's in third service. He and his community group in Pflugerville. They are mosaic day in the park legends. Oh yeah, they brought so much Filipino food last year. They kept pulling out pots of food. It was like the widow's pots. They kept pulling them out. Said they were filled with lumpia and chicken adobo. This is like magic. Can you bring them to my house? I could go on. I mean, a broadcast ministry, Malachi Jacobs, David Daniels, so faithful. Thank you to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Here's my heart. Friends, we've got a creed to live. We've got a city to serve. We've got a community and a church to build. So here's where this is coming to. I'm going to do an ask in a moment. If you're not already to take a step and be a part of a mosaic community of being people like Dorcas, Cornelius, community builders through whom the miracle comes. I know for some of you, for good reasons that you can't do this, maybe good health or some kind of thing, it's all good. We're so glad you're here. But for those of you blessed with good health and some energy, we've got space for you. Here's a, a, a slide on the screen. It's got a QR code and phones are going up all over the room. All right. <laughs> You can see on here just a few areas for you or for your team, maybe even in some level to get involved with all abilities, broadcast and production, connections, digital design, MKids, students, prayer, photography. Listen, some of you, you do need to be a, uh, some of these areas do need, to be, do need to be a member. Some you don't, but you can scan that list and get started and consider being generous with your time in that way for God's people today. Amen, amen. Take a moment and pray for us. God, we thank you for today and the kind of church that you've enabled us to be consistently and historically by your grace. It's through all the Dorcases and Corneliuses here. Serve their church here and yeah, outside so many ways. I thank you for every leader represented here who has a heart for the city. Lord, I'm praying like a Joppa, like Caesarea, Lord, through what your people do, your church will grow. The gospel would spread. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things today. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.